to the Hope for the Animals podcast, sponsored by Compassionate Living. I'm your host, Hope Bohannock, and you can find all our past shows and more information at our website, hopefortheanimalspodcast.org. And you can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Come and engage with us there. So today on the podcast, we are featuring two guests, Paris Doshi and his business Doshi and Troy Aiken of EcoSports. They will be talking about their businesses that focus on non-leather products. So using innovative fabrics and materials to make items that are commonly made from leather, like purses and belts and wallets in the case of Doshi, and even footballs and other sports balls in the case of EcoSports. And they are offering these ethical and ecological alternatives to leather. And we're going to hear all about that on this episode. But before we get into the interviews, I have a couple of quick announcements. So first, if you are in the Northern California area, we have our Sonoma County Veg Fest coming up on Sunday, September 25th. This is a compassionate living event. I organize uh, this Veg Fest. Have, this will be our eighth year, actually. We're going to have wonderful, inspiring speakers, vegan cooking demonstrations. There's going to be art and vegan boutiques and ethical animal encounters. Lots of rescues are bringing animals. Save a Bunny's bringing bunnies. Palomacy Rescue is bringing pigeons, all for adoption. And there's a new rat rescue that's bringing little rats for adoption. And we're excited to meet them. One of our guests on the podcast today is going to be there, EcoSports, with their non-leather uh, footballs we can throw around, basketballs we can bounce around. It's going to be a lot of fun. Some great new food. Oh, I'm so excited about the food court. I will most likely be at the Compassionate Living Table most of the day, so come by and say hello. Sunday, September 25th at the Santa Rosa Veterans Memorial Building in Santa Rosa, California. I'll put a link in the show notes for more information, and the website is socovegfest.org. The other announcement is just a reminder that my six-week course called Ahimsa, Animal Advocacy, and Veganism about the intersection of Jain and yogic philosophies of nonviolence and how they relate to veganism starts on September 24th and goes for six Saturdays after that. It's from 11 to 1 on those Saturdays, uh, Pacific time. And on the last podcast, we talked all about this. So if you want more information, and haven't heard that episode yet, please check out episode 63 with Dr. Christopher Miller to learn more about this upcoming class. I'm really getting excited to teach this course. I've been working hard on it and have so much to share with the students. If you are considering taking my class but have any reservations or questions, please get in touch with me. And it, it does cost some money, and if that is a barrier, please reach out to me. I don't want money to be a reason or a factor that someone doesn't take the class. We will work it out. I'll have a link to the enrollment in the show notes, so please enroll soon and join us. Again, the class is called Ahimsa, Animal Advocacy, and Veganism, starting on September 24th. Okay, so that's it for announcements. So now let's hear from our two guests today. We are exploring veganism beyond food, going into the world of alternative leather products. You know, it's, it's not till you go vegan that you realize just how many things in our lives are dominated by leather, <laughs> like products where leather is kind of the only option, like balls used in sports. But also leather is just, you know, ubiquitous in fashion accessories like belts and purses. So we are going to hear from two people who have dedicated themselves to veganizing some of these leather-dominated spaces. So I hope you enjoy it. All right. I would like to welcome in Paris Doshi. Paris worked for the city of Los Angeles for 17 years, and he was trying to find 
vegan accessories, and he was finding it difficult to find fashionable and durable non-leather items. And eventually, Paris decided to venture out and start the company Doshi to address this need. And Doshi launched in 2017. They have purses and wallets and belts, and we'll talk all about that. And he also donates and raises money for pro-animal nonprofits and animal sanctuaries. Welcome to the podcast, Paris. Thank you, Hope. Uh, It's great to be here. Yeah, well, it's great to have you. And before we get into all the leather-free fun stuff, I wanted to ask you about how and when you went vegan. We like to get to know you with hearing about your vegan origin story. And and I know that you grew up in a vegetarian household, right? Yeah, I'm, I feel really fortunate. My family background is that we're Indian. Um, my family is part of a religion called Jainism. It's a relatively small religion, and one of the central tenets of the religion is to be nonviolent. The great thing about the religion is through the nonviolence comes vegetarianism, and and actually Jains are now looking more at becoming vegan more and more because of what happened in the dairy industry. But that was a great base to work from, Um, and, you know, through the years, I you know, I, I embraced being a vegetarian and then it happened to be in my twenties where I was driving with my family up North to a wedding and the car started to break down. And my dad being a mechanic asked me when we stopped to go inside of a dairy and ask them if we could borrow some tools. And when I walked in, I, I happened to see a number of cows there. And I just remember the conditions inside of this place being damp and dark. And I just remember feeling like the concrete floors that were kind of corrugated, just being very, very hard. And I I know concrete's hard, but the environment didn't feel inviting. And I saw these cows and I'm like, God, it smells in here. These cows can't be happy and can't be comfortable. And so I thought to myself, you know what, I, I don't feel good about having dairy because of these cows, because they're just not in a good place. And I didn't know all of what happens in the dairy industry. I never really thought too much about that. But then that thought stayed with me. And then over some months, I wound up going back towards dairy again, but it wasn't the same. And then oh, as more time went by, I started like seeing stuff by PETA and other organizations and and then I had a couple of friends start to go vegan. And I was like, gosh, I could never give up cheese. You know, I, I enjoy pizza and this and that. It just happened that in 2012, I just really thought about what I had learned about the dairy industry and all and said, you know what, I, I need to stop. And so in July of 2012, I stopped and just went vegan. You know, I, I can't say that I lost weight or any, you know, wondrous thing happened, but I mean, I just did it because of how I felt about animals. The wondrous thing is that you stopped hurting animals. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it wasn't about me. Right. Right. And it's great that you're seeing also that the, the Jane community is moving towards veganism. We, we talked a lot about that in the last podcast. And, And so you're seeing that in your community. Yeah, you know, it's it's awesome. Um, I think it's a couple of years ago that the, the Jain Temple in, Los, in the Los Angeles, Southern California area went vegan. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's it's a lot to, to say that because, you know, dairy, yogurt, butter is actually a pretty big part of Indian culture. Yeah. So to, to be able to move away from that is a pretty big shift based on just the understanding of what's happening in that industry. And also kind of taking an old tradition, but a religion that's also practical in that been able to, and it's changing with the times and saying, okay, this relationship between the animal and human isn't good. It's creating harm and pain. We need to move away from it. Wonderful. I love to hear that. That's great. So Paris, you founded a company, Doshi, which is your last name, Uh uh, to have alternative non-animal derived leathers. 
So tell us the story of this company, why you started it, what, what, what drew you down this, uh, this path? So after college, I graduated, when I graduated, I started looking for a job and I got a job with the city of Los Angeles. And all of a sudden I needed dress clothes and I had never really meaningfully purchased dress clothes. And so I was out and I started buying like a belt that would go with my suit. Um, you know, you have, you need a briefcase, you need something that looks more appropriate uh, for work, all of that, all of the attire that goes, goes with it. Mm-hmm. And part of that attire often is, or was and is leather briefcases, leather belts, leather wallets. And, you know, you need to look the part, you don't want to look odd. Mm. And what I noticed was that I started buying stuff from vegan companies. And I, cause I was like, well, I don't, I eat vegetarian at that time. I was still a vegetarian. Why, why shouldn't I wear vegetarian or vegan? So then I started to looking for stuff and I found stuff and I was like, oh, cool. There, this stuff exists. And I noticed that relatively quickly into the life of this product, I would notice cracks on my products. And I was like, gosh, this looks really, really bad. I'm, you know, I had meetings with city council and the mayor's office or other, you know, higher ups in the city. And I was like, well, I mean, I wore a nice shirt and tie and but the rest of my garb doesn't look good. So this thought started to grow within me that, hey, someone should like create a better product. Hmm. And then in the middle of that, I went to business school and I took an entrepreneurship class and I'm like, well, creating a line of vegan products could could be a really neat idea. Um, And people were already doing it, but the quality wasn't there. And so I did that and it was an interesting project, but right around the time I graduated was 2008 from business school and, and the economy was in shambles. And I'm like, I should just be smart and go back, you know, to a job and have like a safe, secure future. Um, but the years passed and I wasn't totally satisfied with what I was doing. And I was like, God, I really want to make a change. I want to do something where I'm in business. I'm doing something creative. And this idea came back to me where I'm like, you know, I wanted to create that vegan line. I still don't have something that I think is up to the standard where I'd want it. Something that, uh, a C-suite professional could wear and feel like, Hey, I have something that's great. That's quality and it's cruelty free and vegan. And so I started looking into this um, and it took some time because I had to look for the materials, the factories, how to put all of that together. Now, the material was the first thing to solve. Most vegan companies use something called PU. And PU is actually a misnomer because the actual material is a polyester or nylon with a polyurethane coating. So the coating's a very small amount of the material the base material makes up the majority of it. But that material, because the base and the PU don't have, don't adhere to each other really well, um, it winds up cracking and peeling over time. And so the first thing was to solve that. So I started searching around the world. I found stuff from Italy, from Japan, from here in the US, and I started getting samples from everywhere. And I would take these samples and I would scratch them, I would scrape them, I would rub keys on them, I would try to like, you know, tear them with my fingernails. <laughs> and yeah, just put them through the works. Yeah. And, and what I found is that there is a material called microfiber. And it's not the microfiber that you'd find on your clothes, because that's woven. This is a non woven microfiber. And so the the microfibers all kind of bond together, um, like a skin. And if you look at the microfiber base material, it almost resembles a hide or skin where all the fibers are up and down, left and right in all different directions. The microfiber forms a very strong, durable material. And I was like, okay, I can start with this. And so I started creating prototypes with that. What I wanted to do with the materials is to move towards plant-based and other materials because One of the criticisms that we get in the vegan space, in the vegan leather space especially, is that the materials that we use are just another form of plastic and petroleum. Right. And, and, you know, that to large degree is true. 
And so what I told people is that my first goal was to take the animal out of the equation. And then we'd look towards using more eco-friendly materials. So the microfiber served as an initial starting point. And now we are keeping the microfiber, but we're also adding materials like Pinatex, which comes from waste pineapple leaves wow. um, from harvest. And those materials would normally just be a bio waste from that process. And we're also using materials like craft paper, um, which is largely- you, Did you say craft paper or what? Yeah. Craft paper, okay. Yeah, with a K. Um, okay. <laughs> it's it's um, largely made from wood pulp. Um, and the companies that make it, there's a company in Germany, and they, they make it from forest and trees that are sustainably grown. That's what that gorgeous white flowered bag or white background with the flowers bag is on your, I'm just remembering on your website, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's it. That's it. Okay. And so these materials, they are, they're, they're sustainable. They're partially biodegradable. They have a much smaller environmental footprint than animal leather, much, much smaller. Yeah. And so for all the criticism that we might get on using petroleum products, we're the first companies that are saying, yep, you know what, you, you have a point there. We're going to take this, carry this forward. We're not going to, the leather companies aren't going to do that. It's going to be the vegan companies that lead that charge. Wow. Yeah. So my husband got uh, one or maybe I think actually a couple of your belts at a recent event that you were at and uh, he just loves them. I think that they're gorgeous. So you've done a really wonderful job of uh, making your products look great. And so good to hear that there's these fantastic materials that are uh, so much better than leather and, and people don't realize how impactful leather can be on the environment. And actually you have some really great information, well, troubling information, but good, <laughs> you know, yes. good in the way that it's uh, thorough information on your website about the detrimental, you know, the detriment of producing leather, uh, the detriment on the environment in a section called why not leather. Do you want to talk a little about that? Yeah. What I did is I commissioned a couple of assistants to start helping me do some research as to what impacts leather have, what impacts animal leather has on the animals, environment, and people. Yeah. And I actually had a non-vegan do a lot of this research, and she focused a lot more on the environmental piece because she's an ecologist. And I think it was really interesting to get a lot of this work done from someone who didn't necessarily believe in veganism. The information that we found was vastly more shocking than I could have imagined. Wow. It, it was immediately apparent that should we, should we reduce animal agriculture we could solve a multitude of problems affecting the country and the world. Everything from emissions to water usage, to land usage, to deforestation, climate impact. It is, it is unbelievable how much of an impact this industry has. I'll give you one, one stat that kind of might help give an idea about this. If you took the entire United States, uh, minus Alaska and Hawaii, but you took the continental United States, 40% of the U.S. is actually used for animal agriculture in one way or another, either like housing the animals, feeding them, other things, you know, waste lagoons, 40%. So you could actually take about 20 of the 50 states and just devote all of that to animal agriculture. That's how much, that's how much of the land mass of the U.S. is used for that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just, just imagine like you could cut off, like you could cut off the Pacific and part of the Midwest time zone and that would all be gone just for this purpose. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And people don't realize that leather is not really just a byproduct. 
uh, it's a huge industry and it is the reason that cows are being killed, not only cows, but numerous different animals, correct? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the number of animals that go through that system is, I, I, don't, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but it's massive, yeah. I mean, it's in the billions. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you use pineapple leaves as one of your materials. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so we're using Pinatex, and Pinatex was developed over many years of R&D by Dr. Carmen Hijosa, and she was a leather goods expert who was consulting in the Philippines. She was shocked at the environmental impact of leather production, realized that this was just very bad for the earth. And what happened is that in, in the Philippines, she saw that people were using all sorts of natural materials to create things like baskets and garments and other things. Mm. And what happened is that she saw that when pineapples were harvested, a lot of this leaf waste material became available. And then using her expertise and then joining with a number of other people, she was able to create a process where the fibers from these leaves are extruded. And, and so they're kind of just made to be very, very long. And then through a process they developed, these fibers are put back together and they create a leather-like fabric material. And then that material is finished uh, so that, you know, it's given color, it's like smoothed out, it's given a sort of texture that still retains some of the original plant texture, but at the same time is um, finished in a way that companies like mine can use it to create products. The beautiful thing about this material is that it comes from the earth. Um, it's a natural fiber. It is largely biodegradable and companies like hers are constantly looking how to maximize the biodegradability, minimize the environmental impact, and can continue to improve on that material. For us, it's, it's wonderful because we can use that material to move away from some of the microfiber and, and go towards more plant-based, eco-friendly, sustainable, biodegradable materials. Wow, that's wonderful. And, and you have wallets made of this material, right? We have two different sorts of wallets made out of this material. And um, we are working on making more products out of it. So we hope that later this year we'll have a woman's crossbody pouch. And then depending on, as we see this product being used, understanding how it works, how long it lasts, where it has challenges, or if it's completely fine to use in every different application that we can think of, we will use more and more of it. Oh, that's great. I love it. And I love that it was a waste product and that she found a use for it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, and there are other companies using these same sorts of ideas to create new materials. So I feel like this, this is only going to move forward as people figure out how can we be more conscious of the materials that we use and their impact on the earth. Yeah, and more innovative. That's great. So I'd, I'd like to ask you about greenwashing because you've said a little something. Uh, we, we talked a little about this uh, outside of the interview. And I'd love to hear your take on some of the materials that we're seeing kind of in the vegan product world that might not be as good as you know, there, they, they may, there may be a bit of greenwashing going on there. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I would say both greenwashing and uh, to some degree, vegan washing. I mean, the, the materials that are, people are using that I'm not as big of a fan of um, are still completely vegan. It's just that I don't necessarily love those materials and, and I'll explain why. So for something like cork, an item that's made out of cork actually has very little cork. It's something like the polyurethane that I was talking about earlier, where the most of the material is actually a polyester or nylon. 
And with cork, that base material makes up maybe 90, 95% of the material. And then on top of that, an extremely thin layer of cork is bonded. Mm. So you think you're buying cork, but you're really buying something like polyester. Hmm. And if you're doing, if you're doing that, I would just argue that just then buy a polyester or cloth type wallet, because we don't even need to involve the trees in that. To, to contrast that, we use something called craft paper, and that craft paper doesn't have any backing. So you're just actually using the paper, which is more than 50% made out of cellulose, which means that part of it can biodegrade. So I feel like materials like those should be the material, like the craft paper or the pina text should be the way we go. I don't want to take away too much from the companies selling cork or creating it because at least it's an alternative to animal leather. It's just not the best one. And, you know, there's other, sometimes people ask us about cactus leather. And again, while I appreciate their effort, the vast majority of that material is something like a cotton or polyester or some other base material. And then the PU coating on top has cactus in it. So it's still, again, a very microscopic amount of the entire material. Hmm. And we should move towards materials which minimize this other base material so that we're maximizing the use of a biodegradable, bio-based material. Yeah. Yeah. So doing some research is a good thing. We certainly want to encourage, you know, any use or buying of animal-free products, no matter what they are, of course, but it's also good to look at the ecological impact because that affects animals as well. That affects the planet and the animals and our, our home, uh, the animals' home and our home. So it is critical that uh, that these products be as eco-friendly as possible. So I appreciate that you are so conscious of that and really looking into that. It can be that the price point, of course, goes up considerably when we're looking at these kinds of things. So we have to, you know, weigh that, uh, and everyone needs to to do what what they can, <laughs> you know. And sometimes that's going to be just a non leather plastic purse at Target, you know. It's better than nothing, but of course, when we can and however we can, we should be buying the most ecological uh, offerings. And that's where a company like Doshi comes in. Yeah, I, I agree completely with what you're saying. Anything is better than animal leather. It moves us forward. Companies like mine, I feel like my goal is to give customers value. There are a number of companies that have come out with Pinatex that are charging a very large premium. What I'm trying to do is minimize that so that it's affordable for people to buy those products and in turn, through me, help companies like Pinatex find ways to reduce their prices because we're supporting them. And so it, I feel like there is kind of a, a circularity where each part of the movement can help another part of it. And if we do our best to maximize the help or helping and supporting the companies doing the best work, we're going to find a way to make it um, more affordable for everyone and have the greatest impact at the same time. So do you have any, uh, anything coming up, any uh, innovative materials that you're looking into? Yeah, actually, we are doing some prototyping and experimenting with a coconut leather. Oh. And this is a material that comes from South India. It's a material where a company has figured out how to culture kind of, I would say, kombucha eyes, coconut, leftover coconut water from coconut harvests. Huh. And through this sort of fermentation process, they're able to create this, I don't know how, I don't, I wouldn't know exactly what to call it, but I would say the way there's this mother on top of kombucha, which is, I don't know if it's bacteria-based, fungus-based, 
but whatever it is, they're able to infuse it with plant fibers and then create a material out of it. And so we're experimenting and prototyping with this material to see if we can use it. It's still going to take a while for us to come out with it, but I'm hoping that if we're able to solve some of the challenges, we can have some products made from that material within the next six months to year. The really neat thing about this material is that the company claims it's 100% biodegradable, which is kind of the holy grail for us as far as using a plant-based material. We would love to be able to say when you're done with this product, with a few caveats, you could almost put it into the ground and it will kind of go away. Wow. So that's, yeah. that's, where, that's, the, that's, that's the ultimate goal for us is to make products that eventually are from cradle to grave, they can come out of the earth and go back into it. Nice. Well, Paris, this has been a wonderful conversation and uh, we do need to wrap up. And I wanted to ask you, as I ask all my guests, what gives you hope for the future? I think that the biggest thing that gives me hope is when I go out to a vegan festival and someone comes up to the booth and they're excited about what we're doing. And I get a chance to ask them, why, what made you go vegan? And they'll have a multitude of reasons. One of them is often one of these documentaries that um, it might be what the health, it might be cowspiracy, it might be something else that so suddenly impacted this person and got them to look within themselves and see a sort of empathy and raise their consciousness as to what am I doing? Oh, if I eat meat, I'm hurting this animal. If I wear leather, I'm contributing to that same industry. I have an impact and I can make decisions and choices that lessen that impact. And the fact that there is, I think there's empathy inside of all people the fact that certain things like this can raise that empathy to the top of their mind and make them suddenly change their lives, that gives me a lot of hope. I, I love seeing that. I'm surprised, delighted every time I see that. And I feel that with our movement, if we can continue along that route and raise people's consciousness, evoke that empathy in them, we're going to keep moving towards a more compassionate world. We just have to keep doing that work. We're, we're in the early innings of it still, but if we keep pushing, we're going to make progress. People have empathy in them, and it's just up to all of us to foster it and help it grow. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And you're helping it grow one pineapple wallet at a time. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we might have coconut wallets in another year. Wow, very cool. So amazing. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I will definitely put a link to Doshi uh, in the show notes. So everyone should please go and check out their amazing products. And it was really, really wonderful to talk to you, Paris. Thank you, Hope. Okay, today we have something very interesting and unique. Today we have Troy Aiken, and he is the founder of the company EcoSports. Troy is a retired college athlete, and he still plays a lot of sports. And after going vegan, he wanted to eliminate animal products in his life beyond food. But he found that most every sport uses animal products for their balls uh, and sporting equipment. So Troy tried to find sustainable alternatives, but his only options were leather and toxic plastics. So after working with many different suppliers, uh, research and development, and lots of testing, Troy found a material that is eco-friendly, sustainable, vegan, chemical-free, and biodegradable that retains the quality of, uh, you know, the high quality that you would find in a sports ball. So he founded 
EcoSports. Welcome to the podcast, Troy. Thank you so much for having me, Hope. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, so before we get into this really interesting kind of innovation in sports, we'd love to kind of get to know you. So why don't you tell us why you went vegan, when you went vegan, what is your vegan origin story? Yeah, well, I was one of those vegans for selfish health reasons that I just wanted to better my life. I played sports my whole life and, you know, I had plenty of injuries. I had soreness. I had inflammation all the time. And every time I'd play tennis or basketball, whatever it was, I'd just, my knees would hurt. My back was sore. There was just all these issues that I shouldn't be having as a 25 year old. Right. Mm. And so I was just on Facebook one day reading an article that was saying a plant-based diet is healthier for you. It's anti-inflammatory and has so many health benefits. And I was like, this seems like a no-brainer to give it a try to, you know, increase my performance. And so I started three days a week, five days a week for about like three months. And I felt amazing. Like my tennis was better. My sleep was better. My recovery was better. I was lifting heavier. Mm. There's just so many benefits that I was like, I'm doing this full time and, and have loved it. But then upon like learning about the animal agriculture, the climate change, the animal cruelty, the, you know, water weight, there's, there's just so many reasons that kind of the animals in the environment made me stay vegan. Yeah, that's, you hear that, uh, that's a very common story that the health kind of brings you in, but then when you start researching and digging deeper and seeing how it affects so much in our lives from the environment and the planet to how we treat animals, that's what kind of keeps you in or helps you to stick with it and go deeper. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It gives you a bigger why. Yeah, Absolutely. Great. Well, so then, so you're a sports guy and you do play a lot of different sports, right? Not only basketball and tennis, but also um, football and uh, what, what other sports? What, what all sports do you dabble in? Yeah, football. I've gotten really into pickleball lately. The fastest. Oh yeah, sport pickleball. There. Yeah, there's a tennis court down the street from us where people are just loving pickleball. They're there all the time doing pickleball. Yeah. Yeah, it started to take over like majority of the tennis courts here in Los Angeles. And it is just sweeping. I know it's sweeping the country, but especially here in Los Angeles. And like, I have a lot of good friends. And so we play some pretty high level pickleball. We're like 5-0 pickleball players. I don't know if you know what that means, but it's just like right before we'll start turning pro on pickleball. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. So there is pro pickleball, huh? There's pro pickleball. There's actually three pro pickleball associations that are all competing against each other, but they're starting to have like a hundred K prize money tournaments. Like it's, it's growing pretty quick. Wow. How fun. Okay. Anyway, so we, (laughs) so you play a lot of different sports. Um, Yeah, absolutely. The beach volleyball, the spike ball, the, you know, cornhole, you name it. Wow. Awesome. And, and so as you were, uh, you know, learning about veganism, getting more into a vegan lifestyle, you realized that all the balls are mostly leather, right? And then some even like tennis balls have wool in them, correct? Yeah, that, so that was actually one of the first products I looked into was a tennis ball, just because I play tennis, let's just say three times a week, I go through nine tennis balls every single week. And, you know, they sit in landfills, I use them one time, and then they're done. And so not only are the tennis balls just not my, you know, they'll sit in landfills forever, but also they they're using sheepskin, which the way they go about getting that is harmful and not a nice way of doing it. Right. But that's not sheep skin. It's the wool. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. That's correct. Thank you for saying that correctly. That's okay. I just um, want to make sure make it clarified. But you're absolutely right that that wool production, even though it isn't the skin, it is their wool. It's still very cruel. There are horrible, cruel procedures that they use to shear the sheep, and yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a, still a really um, terrible process. Yes. Agreed. So that kind of opened my eyes. And then I started thinking about, you know, basketball in my adult league about how we're playing with a leather ball or, you know, football that I like playing with. And I was kind of doing more research and you see cricket and baseball, baseball probably uses the most leather out of all the sports. Really? Um, volleyballs have leather, some soccer ball, soccer balls, not as much, but soccer still and used to be big on leather shoes for so- like shoes for all these sports uses a lot of leather. So right. there was just such a big 
marketplace for leather and sports that to me is something that that bothered me and there wasn't anybody addressing the well a there's nobody saying that it was a problem and b there's nobody addressing the problem so that's where i thought that i could make an impact yeah yeah and i learned on your website that just the nfl and and football seasons you know starting now uh just the nfl makes 750,000 footballs a year which i mean it's just so mind-boggling and that takes 37,500 animals dead cows to produce that many footballs it's just and that's just pro football i mean there's still college oh. and high school so really huge, huge impact here. Uh, you know, we think of leather, sometimes people, people think of leather as a byproduct, like, oh, well, they're just going to kill the cows for meat anyway, but, but it's a huge industry. And I mean, they are making a lot of money off the leather. It is a huge industry. And, and I have a lot of things to say on that, like one topic, but yes, the, the NFL it takes, they say one cow makes around 20 footballs, give or, give or take, depending on the size of the football and size of the cow. But yeah, it's more than just that they're going to sell the cow for meat. You might as well use the leather. It's, it's all connected. So if less people are using leather, then the cow's not as much in demand or, you know, the meat starts to go up and then there's less desire for these cows and the animal agriculture and the land and the water usage and the runoff. So to me, there's so much like, to me, it's, it's more than just a ball that we're doing is that we're help creating a better planet overall. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's terrible all around the world. So many animals are being killed for these products. So then you started researching and trying to find alternatives and, mm -hmm. and I've actually, well, of course with shoes, you know, we're mm -hmm. looking for alternatives and often the only alternative is a synthetic, like a, a synthetic mm -hmm. leather or a plastic, which, you know, is, is, is not great either. I mean, that's not going to be good environmentally, at least the animals mm -hmm. aren't killed and suffering. So that's good. There's a, it's, it's a better step, but it's still not great environmentally. But so you found this material, I think this material is what prompted you to start EcoSports, right? Tell us about all that. Yeah, absolutely. And so to your point, there, there are some like kids products in particular that made out of the synthetic leather. Uh, it's usually like a PU leather or a PVC leather. And PVC is just super toxic. It's harmful. Sits in landfills forever. Um, PU is also not going to biodegrade. Um, it's a little better of a material, but it still has a lot of cons to it. And there are a lot of vegans that will debate, like at least the leather is, you know, an organic material. It will biodegrade, they think. But by the time the leather goes through like such an intensive tanning process, it is no longer biodegradable. And not to mention that the tanning process is so toxic to the workers. That's just a whole nother process that to have a whole podcast on. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah, just to just to pull on that a little, people don't realize that tanning leather, the process mm -hmm. of creating leather is very toxic. They use tons of chemicals. Uh, mm -hmm. the, like you said, the workers are affected. Even communities around leather uh, industry, the water can be polluted. People mm -hmm. are affected with their health. It's really toxic to create leather. So it's not the eco product that people try to make it out to be. Yeah, absolutely. But so, so I found this material called TPU. It's thermoplastic polyurethane and it it's used in some sporting goods as far as like it's used in some shoes. It's used in some like cones for sports. So I, I started to see this material in the sporting world, but nobody was really using it for balls. And so I was able to get my hands on some of the material and talk to a bunch of different suppliers and we were able to test out footballs, basketballs, soccer balls, volleyballs, all these different balls with that material. And I had a couple that were great and a couple that weren't so great. We tested them out with a bunch of college athletes. Um, you know, I had a bunch of friends that played college basketball. I played some high level sports. And so I, we just tested it for months until we found a ball that we just loved and knew that if you went to go play pickup basketball with some high level people that really nobody would notice the difference. They just think it's another good basketball that they're playing with. So we were super happy with it. And the more I've done research on TPU, like you just type in is TPU eco-friendly and it says, yes, it's biodegradable. It's non-toxic. It's BPA free. It's chemical free. It's recyclable. So there's, there's so many 
amazing properties of this material that while there's still better materials that we could use, I mean, it's still technically not like a plant-based material. It's still eco-friendly, it's environmentally friendly, and it's cruelty-free. So it's the most sustainable product in sports right now. Nice. Great. So, so you've started this company called EcoSports. Tell us about the business. Yeah, we, we launched uh, in December of 2021. So we're almost a year in now. And it's been amazing. It's, uh, led, it's led me to meet a bunch of athletes, which is, is super cool in my world. Uh, that's been an amazing journey. We've worked with a couple camps this summer. And to see you know 200 kids with EcoSports basketballs was just my heart just melted. It was so cool to see that and knowing that it makes a difference. These kids are making a difference. And so we've, we've mainly been doing e-commerce and camps and schools. We're looking to get into retail probably uh, in 2023 is our goal there. So it's really just been a great journey of being able to combine work and passion. So I know that EcoSports, you're not selling retail yet, but is there anything that people can do that vegans could do to help you get the word out? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's two things that would be super impactful for uh, EcoSports spreading the word and for getting EcoSports into your community. One thing would be any camps that you're a part of would be to talk to the camp director about the, their products and why they aren't using a sustainable product. Uh, also, your schools, talking to your counselors or principals or your coaches about getting EcoSports into your schools would be really helpful. And, you know, of course, you or your coach uh, is, is more than welcome to reach out to me and be happy to discuss, you know, sending out some balls uh, your way just to test them out. You know, you could reach me at Troy at EcoSports.com or check out EcoSports.com to reach me or find out more information about it. That's great. So yeah, what a great idea. So if there's uh, like a camp, a summer camp or your local high school or whatever, and you, you would send maybe a ball or two for them to try out. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. Okay. Great idea. So I'd love to talk to you about something uh, a little off of the topic we've been on, but certainly related. And that is athletes embracing a plant-based diet for performance reasons, like you talked about in the beginning. This is a huge demographic that that is now embracing plant-based diets and veganism. Uh, there was that awesome film Game Changers that really went into this. What are you seeing in the sporting community around this? I'm seeing it change every single day. I see more and more athletes are popping up as plant-based and vegan. And it, it's amazing. And uh, as far as it being an anti-inflammatory diet and the stress that it takes away from your bones and you know your, your recovery is so much better. So why these athletes are hesitant to do it is I think it's just a cultural thing. Um, but you well, know, yeah, you, there's seen... always been that there's been that, you know, the protein, 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 that's what builds muscles. That's what you need. And that's associated with animal products. So it's a huge myth that has to be busted or, or, or um, dismantled. Right. It, it is an absolute huge myth and all plants have protein and you can get all the, you know, nine amino acid proteins that you need from plants. And, and the plant protein has been proven to be just as effective at, in building muscle as animal protein. But so I think the fact that we are starting to see these high level athletes start to win national championships or grand slams or whatever sport they're in is such a, a massive impact for switching that narrative that you need animal protein in order to be this kind of, I hate to use the term of like this manly man athlete, but you're starting to see like football players and basketball players and these kind of where you need bigger size turn plant-based and have great success. So I think the fact that these people are leading the way, I think we'll see a bigger transition. I think it'll exponentially grow. And I think we're in the very beginning phases of that. And so it's been great to see. Yeah. Yeah. Even like the Tennessee Titans, uh, I believe they're eating mostly plant-based meals, right? Did I heard something about that? There was a documentary about that or, um, um, yeah, they, they had a segment in the game changers and I'm sure they've had segments at the other. Oh, that's probably where well. I saw it. That's where uh, I saw it. Yeah. I yeah. But there was like yeah. 15, 20 players that they weren't fully plant-based, but they were pre- predominantly plant-based. And I think one of their players was, was definitely fully plant-based and his wife would also like cook for the team all the time. So they were eating a lot of plant-based meals right. and they, they were having 
good results on it. And so, I mean, but there, there's so like the Chris Paul, who's now 38 years old and leading the NBA in, in assist, uh, Novak Djokovic and Nick Kyrgios, who are both in the finals of Wimbledon, are plant-based. So like wow. we're starting to see gold medalists turn vegan. So it's just, it's yeah. been amazing. Well, okay. So before I, before you go, I must know, do you have, since, since, uh, the NFL season is starting, uh, do you have a team that you, uh, particularly follow or like? Uh, that's, that's a tough question. And my, probably my high school friends are going to hate me, uh, because I grew <laughs> up in the, I grew up in Northern California, but I've now been in Los Angeles for 10 years. So I do like the Niners and I also like the Los Angeles Rams. So I, I hate to be a bandwagon fan, but I kind of root for who's ever like winning or who's ever, they've both been in Super Bowls in the last couple of years. So it's kind of been really beneficial for me to root for both of them. Cause I, I always get to have somebody to root for, but I know it's not the best answer. <laughs> no, that's great. So you're a West coast guy for sure. <laughs> um, I'm a West coast guy. Yeah. I'm a PAC 12 guy. So it's, it's sad to see that, you know, USC and UCLA are leaving the PAC 12 for sports stuff, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, uh, my stepdad, uh, is in Nashville and he's a Tennessee Titans fan. So I will watch mm. some Tennessee Titans games with him. So that's, uh, that's always fun. We're, and, and now because they, you know, are kind of leaning plant-based, I'm like, yay. And we yeah. have, uh, we have that, that we can talk about. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, amazing. Well, yeah, they should be pretty good this year. So that's, and that's awesome that they are a plant-based for team yeah. A plant forward team. Yeah. Plant forward team. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, Troy, it was really wonderful to talk to you. Uh, thank you so much for creating Eco Sports. Uh, this is going to be, I think, a real game changer in the world and in the vegan community. So uh, thank you for what you're doing and thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me on and thanks for all that you do in the world. Thank you for listening to the Hope for the Animals podcast, sponsored by Compassionate Living. If you want to learn more about this issue, I have in the show notes a link not only to both companies, Doshi and Ecosports, their websites have some great information, but also Emily Moran Barwick of Bite Size Vegan, who has been a guest on the podcast before she just came out with a great video and article about how the leather industry is not just a byproduct of the meat industry. So I really recommend that. There are links to all of that in the show notes. If you are listening on a podcast app, please scroll down to the ratings and give us a five-star rating, maybe write a review if you can. It helps so much to get this critical information out to a broader audience. If you are listening on the website, on your phone, just a link, please share it with your social media networks and pages. We really appreciate your help in spreading the word so more people can learn about issues like this, like the leather industry that we just don't hear enough about. Thank you for listening and live vegan.